Hey lovers, welcome to the third episode of Vocal About It by Sarah and Sarah. We created this podcast to celebrate women of color all over Europe and beyond and to represent. In this episode, we are going to talk about what it's like to travel as women of color, why it's very different and which obstacles we have to face. We're talking about living abroad, about the importance of living and being on our own and how empowering that can be. We're sharing with you how it was to grow up in two different European countries, the different racist experience we made back then and how it is to live in the center of the European Union today. Hi, this episode is going to be all around women of color abroad, traveling and living by our own. Yes. Traveling is a very different experience depending on if you're a woman of color or not. Absolutely. And when you give travel tips, this is something you should really like bear in mind that mm. it can be so very different. Well, this brings me to a really absurd anecdote. So I was um, on the train station lately and I saw this book by a white guy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and the title was something like with 50 euros around the planet. Right. And I was like, seriously, dude, you mean with 50 privileges exactly. around the planet? Exactly. Or how to travel around the world as a as white a guy dude. who does not want to spend money. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That would have been a much better title. And I was like, this is how, how can you not check this? I could never afford it because for my security, I have to pay cash, like cash money all the time. I couldn't just like couch surf and hang out at any dude's place and just like spend the night there because this could be so dangerous for exactly. me. Exactly. It's a massive risk that you would be taking. Yeah. It is, especially when traveling like as a woman alone, I couldn't afford that. Mm -hmm. I would really have to invest in my security Absolutely. so so I can like not be harassed all the time. And yeah, I found that really interesting. Yeah, it's a matter of perspective, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, 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 it really was. Yeah, it made me realize that you have to spend so much more. You have to think so much more. Like it's really resources. I have to pay more. I have to plan more. I have to see, can I go there or not? Can I go there alone? And no matter where I go, I will have to like calculate that I'm going to be exoticized mm -hmm. in a way that people are going to find me an exotic bird. Always. Want to come closer to me, have less of a threshold to come closer to me, touch my body, touch my hair, talk to me, whatever. So yeah. Yeah. It's like even on holidays, like a lot of times you, we can't just chill like we cannot it's crazy so in austria uh, i must say so i live in uh, belgium for three and a half years now and um, it's very different so when people ask me in brussels where i come from i don't take it the way that i do in austria mm -hmm. because in austria it's like really intrusive yes so people are like interested in in uh, posing very intimate questions mm -hmm. in a matter of minutes i'm talking about like my family my grandparents where they are from yeah, and whatever the whole and family tree yes so <laughs> it's it's like a very personal it's way too close people are really like overstepping it yeah. because they are very curious about my exotic nature and heritage and um and they want to put you in a box yes they want to put me in a box and they think that 
their curiosity is something that yeah that enables them to well that makes it completely plausible and mm -hmm. uh, even a nice thing yeah but it's not it's really not so i i feel very exposed to those kind of questions i actually don't like to well i, I would never have the idea to come to a new person and just like ask them where their grandparents exactly, are from exactly in austria that might not like provoke the responses that you yeah <laughs> some might want to talk about And uh, yeah, it's very different for me in Brussels because everybody, like every second person is from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then it's really a matter of an interesting question, like a conversation opener and not something where you're like soul stripping in front of complete strangers. And also this, I think it's a very, something like a colonialistic view, like a gaze on me that I have to be even glad that somebody is interested in yeah. my heritage. N I'm not. Which is bullshit. I'm not. I have to like answer those kind of questions all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired of it and I'd rather not. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and totally. yeah, so I feel like in Brussels where it's just like so much more diverse, this also gives me a lot of personal freedom in this regard because it's just so much more normal than in Austria where I was really like in most of my friendship circles, I'm the one woman of color. Wow. Yeah, so um, I think I grew up in a very not only a white environment but also like with a very white perspective mm -hmm. myself so like the way i looked at the world and how i perceived everything was also like very white was very white <laughs> let's say it and <laughs> and uh, i think this only changed when i actually came to brussels and had my very feminist awakening also mm -hmm. i think this contributed to my being now yeah the, the person i am and um I think it only changed by now that I can understand and also categorize things from my being different and not being different in a kind of deficient way, but something that is more like a resource, mm -hmm. something that gives me a very worthy and interestingly different perspective. And uh, yeah, by now I find it really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful the mm -hmm. way you put it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because I think when maybe when you're in Austria and actually wh wherever you live and it's a, a very prominent white population and really there's like a massive lack of diversity, when people ask you where you're from, it's actually also a way to remind you that you're not from here. Yeah. That that reminds you that you're not welcome here, yeah. you know? And they might say, oh no, but I'm just interested. <laughs> but it's just a way to remind me, yeah. you know, to put me back in my place. Yeah. To yeah. remind me that my roots are definitely not in Austria and I need to justify that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's really and also that's that really you can't up. be Austrian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You will that never you be. are by nature yeah. not Austrian. This exactly. is like classical othering. You are not gonna, even if you've been living here, born and raised in Austria, doesn't matter where are you really from because you're not a real Austrian exactly. person. And yeah, this is like complete bullshit. I always like perceived myself as Viennese because yeah, I have heritage somewhere else, but here I feel like Bruxelloise. Yeah. yeah? So yeah, I'm yeah. I feel like it's a it's a diverse kind of person personality that I have roots everywhere mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of respect of not like digging deeper when somebody gives you the the answer I'm from Vienna that's that's that's, that's it. it don't frown yeah. don't ask for the question don't like you know yeah, wait don't for... feel entitled to yeah. have more personal information about me exactly yeah. except if I proactively give it to you you're not invited to ask me any further question thank you very much yeah, that's it deal
How about you? How about you living in Brussels for one year now, huh? Yes, uh, it's been, yeah, just like one year and, and, and two months. I usually don't count them out, but this is a very serious relationship, so I kind of feel like... <laughs> <laughs> this works yeah so in terms of like where i've been where i've been living before so i grew up in in a small town called Po. for the french people who might know pau in the southwest of france where i actually had the best childhood because this is such a, a precious place when it comes to this like you just a 40 minute drive from the mountain from the pyrenees from spain from the sea it's just gorgeous so our weekend trips were just like all nature and and just walking around going to ski in the winter and you know enjoying the the beach in the summer it was just really really awesome i have to say i was i was most of the time one of the only black families in my neighborhood or in uh, in my education but there was a lot of, of other different people of color mm -hmm. you know which already makes it different there was a lot of north Africans there was a lot of uh, uh, Asian people and you know some South American as well so it makes it very diverse and it, it made it okay and also I've got the luck of having really woke parents who always put an emphasis on telling my sister and I your skin looks amazing you look gorgeous be proud of being black you know you are queens like we just want to make sure you know about your history <sighs> and I remember being so young and my mom telling me about slavery actually And she was describing me like all these massive boats where people were just downstairs sleeping on top of each other. And like, and I was like, just so young, but the horror was already in my head. But I think that's so important, you it know? It is, it is. Because I didn't, definitely didn't learn that it's cool. No. And I didn't really have like a massive black support system. So I was lucky that way. You want yeah. to say something? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that like I was in Washington this year and I visited the African-American History Museum. Oh, yeah. And this made me realize that I never learned at school how black people actually got to America. How like the, the whole slave trade, how this worked. This was a complete like... People blinded it out in history books. Isn't that crazy? It isn't. From this like very Eurocentristic perspective, this means just like blacking out. Yeah, when it's such an important part of the European history. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. And uh, I think teaching young people, especially with migration background, about where they come from and also what horrors li lie in their history is extremely important to understanding where they come from, especially when there is so much like hate you have to deal with, so much like confrontation, so much harassment. It's like really important for you to be rooted, to be deeply rooted. And if you're not, you can be easily thrown over. Totally. And, uh, when you know where you come from and when you can be proud of that and when you can stand up for yourself, I think that makes a lot way more easy. But it's really hard, especially in like very, again, homogenous societies and schools where it's not about that. And also it just explains a lot because all of the shit is just, it's not so old. You know, I just saw an article again where um, they were talking about an exhibition where in Belgium in 1958, I find that's not so old. Mm -hmm. Black people were exposed in fucking zoo in Belgium. That's not so long ago when you that's think about it. That's when our parents were, were born. born. Exactly, exactly. And that explains why there's just so much institutional racism because that shit is not so old. And when you understand that, when you learn the history, you realize that it explains a lot of behaviors. It explains a lot of discrimination that are going on. And it's yeah. important to yeah. build yourself as a black human being in this society. It's very important to yes. have the tools and to know, to yes. have the knowledge. Yeah. Totally. I mean, if like your parents still thought that black people are closer to animals than to humans, I'm not surprised how deeply rooted racism stereotypes are in the heads of like the people around us too, like at our age. Exactly.
And uh, yeah, I find, find this really scary sometimes. And uh, at other times, I find it very exhausting to always having to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Why it's not cool to come too close. Why it's not cool to ask that kind of questions. Why it's not cool to touch bodies yeah. that are perceived as more humble. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. like more in the realm of animals than humans. And I think this is also one of the reasons why we started this podcast. Yes. To have like a reference to our sisters out there. That you can just be like okay yeah i don't have time for this i don't have energy for starting this conversation from the very beginning just like listen to that podcast exactly and you will know <laughs> <laughs> we really want this to be a tool for for any sister out there who faces discrimination casual racism at work or anything like that to be able to save some energy because we spend a lot of that shit yeah and to just save some and say to people you know what I will not spend my time right now mm -hmm. to teach you what for it feels free. like for, for free. free. Exactly, exactly. To teach you what it's like to be a black woman in this society, what it is to be an Asian woman in that society or whatever. And you just have this resource and you can just, you know what, save some energy to go and do some cool shit in your life. Yeah. You are yeah. welcome. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, totally. Because so often it's people trying to tell you that you're just making this up. Mm -hmm. You're just like being oversensitive. Being dramatic. You see too much. This, uh, these are just like ghosts yeah. and uh, whatever. You are making stuff up, but you're not. This is, this is also the thing that really made me realize whenever I talk to like feminist women of color that this is a whole like paradigm it's a it's a system out there it's not just that it's a vacuum mm -hmm. where you're coming from and all of a sudden you have those kind of ideas like asking somebody if that is cool or whatever mm -hmm. or just like always transgressing boundaries of people of color this comes from a deeply rooted ideology mm -hmm. yeah understanding the systematic nature is crucial in fighting it I think yeah the one thing that's really important is anti-racism doesn't work as learning more about racism, but also unlearning racism. Mm-hmm. Deconstructing. Yes. Realizing that you have been raised in such a racist system, that you have so many ideas that stem from this yeah. ideology that is not that long ago, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. people thought that this was perfectly fine exactly. and normal behavior, and that you have to unlearn it every day. Absolutely. We have to unlearn it every day too, yep. so... Ah, what we also wanted to talk about is like what it's like to live here, not only in terms of the city, but also the way we live. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to uh, the different places I lived in and what was my experience growing up. So as I said, I grew up in the, in France in a small village. Then later I moved to to French Guiana, actually, which is in South America, very close to the um, to the Caribbeans. It's still to this day a French colony, and I want to make a point calling it that way because it's still under French oppression. You know, the education is still very French-oriented, but uh, the majority of the population is black. Mm -hmm. And there are still these people, which are called the Beke, who are basically the descendant of white colonizers. And they have their hands on most of the island's economy and stuff like that, which is, to me, absolutely unreal. We actually went there because my mom wanted to go back to Angola, but it was wartime and very tricky. And my godmother actually lived in French Guiana with her husband. So she was like, yeah, just come over. It's very similar to Africa anyways. And, you know, <laughs> we'll have fun. So my mom being very adventurous, not giving a fuck and just wanted to seek a better life, we just went so she picked the two of us up my sister Crazy. and i easy and we just went on the other side of the atlantic mm. yes <laughs> gonna have to recheck on this <laughs> i'm really bad with ocean names. yeah fuck anyways 
So really, just like the, the three of you. Yeah. Your mom and your sister and you. Yeah, yeah. Holy. I know. That is some brave shit. I know. She's Incredible. gangster. <laughs> So we arrived there and long story short, we only stayed a year or a bit less, mainly because my mom as a very proud black woman could not stand the level of racism that was there mm. because being a French colony, it's a country that has not decolonized its mind at all. So throughout education, throughout, you know, the media and everything, it's still very, very, very European centric when it's thousands of miles away from France. But there's still this assimilation thing that's going mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. And basically, the lighter your skin is, the better off you are and vice versa, which my mom was like, fuck this. I am not raising my daughters mm -hmm. in a country where so many people are feeling so confused about their identity. So we went back to France and then we moved to Paris, which was life-changing, just so diverse, so nice. I mean, I'm in love with Paris. It's just absolutely gorgeous city. France, obviously, is a very racist society as well. Let me say that, though. Um, but it's just in terms of cultural stuff you can do, in terms of just strolling around is just such a beautiful city and uh yeah then i just went on with my studies and then after that i moved to singapore where i lived for almost four years so as a black woman living in southeast asia it's a whole other different experience yeah i bet so singapore itself was interesting because the majority of people i i encountered work with spoken with because basically there's like around five million people and half of it is like people that are non-singaporean Uh, so you have all your expats, as we call them, basically white people coming here and work. <laughs> and the migrants, migrants, exactly, yeah. which are yeah. mostly like Indians or people from Pakistan or Sri Lanka coming here to work as construction workers and mm -hmm. such. Yeah, so to like put a, a, a uh, rough Label. Mm -hmm. image of it. And for Singaporeans, black people is just so far away. So they sort of have an image from like American movies and some stand-up comedians, but it's very blurry. Mm -hmm. So they have, I mean, for most of them that I have encountered, they have no idea about Africa. Some of them think it's a country. They have no idea about the languages that we speak. It's just really, really like, you know, blurry. So it was a whole education thing for me to tell them about it. Um, and across Southeast Asia, there are different experiences, which I'll talk about later. But uh, yeah. It was just a whole a whole different thing. And now I'm, I'm in Brussels, which is much closer to home, uh, where I find some of the same dynamism as in France, definitely the same racism as in, yeah. as in France, if not worse. Yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily personally that like I'm living, but I mean, my activism here grew as fuck. And so mm -hmm. I'm very much involved in a lot of um, uh, pan-African conferences and, and, you know, different talks around racism and institutional racism and stuff like this. And the stories I hear and the fights that some associates association and activists put in place just speak volumes about the work that still needs to be done in Belgium. Yes. Apart from that, I'm living life here. I love it. I think it's it's super cool to just be able to walk everywhere. You mm -hmm. know, I know it's a detail, but it changes everything. It I think does. it's very cool to navigate the city. Very easy to live here. It's much cheaper than Paris, which I'm enjoying very much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's very diverse, which is highly important. And the more I grew up, the more I'm like, I need to live in a place where it's diverse. Yes. Yes. I can't yes. be yes. around yes. just a majority of white people i don't feel comfortable it's just not okay and no. i cannot i really think it's always like so much tension mm -hmm. when you are the only like not white person in a room that's unbearable it yeah. just takes so much energy and the white people and i think especially white men are neutral mm -hmm. and uh, women are like already categorized yeah. and then here comes the second label Oof. which puts so much like prejudice so many stereotypes so many assumptions mm -hmm. on you Uh, already when you just enter a room totally you can And never be neutral yes. 
Yes, I feel that the more diverse a city is, the more you approach this neutrality of people just like being more or less on the same level. Even though I think it's a very important thing that you say that, yes, we experience more personal freedom, like when we stroll around the streets, the way we live, but the institutions we're living in, this is a whole different story. But if we just like talk about the living situation, I think I gained a lot of personal freedom here. It's been the first time that I've been living by my own. Yes! Oh, which... The freedom. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's incredible. I always thought about myself of a person who is living with others mm -hmm. and like really enjoys this and I've, I've been living in like at least five or six shared housing concept mm -hmm. and I always thought like yeah this is so me and uh, this is so funny and always like having something going on at home but then I realized I'm not yeah fuck <laughs> it fuck that yeah, no really just a thing I, I recently heard this proverb that people who live radical lives need radical self-care oh my god so true yes yes and so this this means for me radical self-care being by my own just like not being uh, not a part of society and isolating myself from mm -hmm. political life because this I can because my life is political anyways yeah. uh, so self-care really means for me being, taking some time off being by my own not having anyone at home but just like enjoying me time this is something that is so also from a feminist perspective I think so important gives you so much freedom to just being able to be alone because I used to always be with people mm -hmm. and I, I always thought that like this is how it's supposed to be when you're alone then like people frown on you and people might want to brand you as somebody who's a loner and whatever and but how is this a bad thing exactly it's really I'm just like recharging I'm having the best time and this stereotype that especially women when they are by themselves are miserable lol and pitiful <laughs> watch lol. us seriously <laughs> I really <laughs> yeah seriously watch me um <laughs> thing is yeah i really think that this is also a question of lack of representation because there are no like i don't know in pop culture women just like living their best lives being by their own mm -mm. just like being self-sufficient yeah. and finding that a really cool thing and i think this is also where it stems from that so many people are alone of being afraid when and i don't like mean in a term of like Of course, people are lonely a lot and in terms of mental health or when you don't choose it for yourself, that's a whole different story. But when you have the choice and you always go for the other thing, you might not know that it's really cool. Exactly. You, should, you try. should try. <laughs> <laughs> you should so much try. Oh my God. How about you? Yeah, well, in my case, honestly, I've always known that I would love to live alone. I just couldn't mm -hmm. afford it until Brussels. <laughs> Because <laughs> living in Paris and Singapore, which are two of the most expensive cities in the world, I was living in with uh, my mama in Paris and in Singapore, I always had roommates. I was very lucky though, because in the apartment where I lived for the most time in Singapore, I had two roommates. One from was from the Bahamas and the other one was from Japan. So we had like a very international, very cool, nice. yeah, yeah, shared apartment. But still, now that I'm tasting the freedom of living alone you can't <laughs> come back <laughs> there is no coming back yo i'm not living with anyone in this life for real like my goal is even if i have a lover and like that shit is serious and stuff where we would normally be like okay so now are we moving in together i would be like um honey um, i make enough money <laughs> I make enough money, you make enough money. How about we live in the same neighborhood, but not together? Yes. You know, because also maybe 
my experience has been that, and I'm just going to talk relationship real quick, but with guys, there's a lot of uh, mothering going on, mm. which I cannot. Mm-hmm. It's so fucked up. I'm not your mom, yeah? Mm-hmm. I want a partner up in this bitch. Yeah. I don't want to clean after you. I don't want to tell you to do this and this and that. And I know that patriarchy put that together in a way that young boys never learn as much no. as young girls to take care of a place, to wash after themselves. Yeah. To doing all the emotional labor bullshit, all all the annoying thing nobody wants to do. This is what we do. Exactly. I have no time for that shit. Even thinking about this whole, like, what you have to do in in terms of housework. This is an insult, an intellectual insult. And if I have to do this, not my shit, I can take care of that. Mm -hmm. Like, no props about that. But for somebody else who is not my kid, Mm -hmm. not cool. It's not cool. Exactly. Why? No. Why? 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 No. And also, the thing is that it's either you have to like permanently complain about it Mm -hmm. and uh, have a discussion about it, or and be seen as an aggy bitch. Yes. Or you just like shut up about it and make work invisible, Mm -hmm. and it just by an invisible hand, it (laughs) shit gets done. And uh, I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening that my work is being invisible. It's so often anyways. And uh, yeah, Yeah. I don't think so. My first apartment was, oh my God, a shit show. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Judging you. (laughs) No, it was was a shithole, but I loved it so much Mm -hmm. because it was my first apartment. Yes. And um, yeah, it really, it taught me so much about when you jump into this cold water and try it out for yourself. This can give you so much space Mm -hmm. and this independence. I think this is one of the most important things that women can learn when they have their feminist awakening and uh, when they are realizing that they are having autonomous lives that are not in reference to either a family or a man, but that this is like the piece of autonomy you can keep for yourself. Absolutely. And yeah, that was really eye-opening for me. And talking about being alone, did you ever travel alone? I did. I did when I did my Erasmus in Belgium, but only like for days. So I always had this dream of once going going abroad and having like really my, my big me trip. I must say that some of the experience I had when I was on my own, as a woman of color, I felt very exposed. And it also like traveling in a group means for me also being protected. Right. This is really like a thing I have to reflect on if I put myself out there and say, okay, I'm traveling by myself now. Mm-hmm. And until now, I was like, okay, the emotional labor of going by my own, I cannot take it right now. But at one point, I would really, I would really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. How about you? I did before a short period of time. So Mm -hmm. like my very first experience of traveling alone was when I lived in Singapore. And basically it's the door to all of the cool countries of Southeast Asia, which is amazing. So my weekend trips were like Bali and Malaysia and Thailand and shit. Oh my God. I know. And so my first experience was actually in Cambodia. I went to Phnom Penh, the capital city for a weekend. And I treated myself like I stayed in a really nice boutique hotel. um, And I had like zero plan. I just read a bit about what to do over there, but I had zero plan. And I was just like, I'm just going to go out stroll around sit in a cafe whenever i want do some shopping if i want to which is exactly what i did and that freedom of not having a schedule or not having to follow anyone else's schedule to eat whatever the fuck i want when i want it was just priceless it was absolutely amazing yeah i went to like a three-star restaurant and (laughs) i treated myself but it was dope because it's just like 
you spend some quality time with yourself. You get to know your limits. You get to know, you know, the different things that you really enjoy, the stuff that you cannot handle. You have mm -hmm. different interactions with people as well. I was a bit scared because as a black woman, even when I was traveling with a group, usually in Southeast Asia, I always somehow get singled out, mm -hmm. you know, like really mm -hmm. noticed. And I could feel in Cambodia that some people were like, oh, you know, a black woman, what the fuck? Um, which was which was interesting. So that was the first experience, which, which was dope. And then just before leaving, Singapore I went to Myanmar for about a week on my own which was absolutely dope a whole different experience but yeah I just like hired a scooter went around Bagan and all the old palaces and shit and awesome. that was super as well I was like sleeping super early reading a lot chatting with my mom back home awesome. <laughs> it was dope yeah Southeast Asia overall is honestly pretty chillax I had some weird experiences in Hong Kong Macau and some of them in Bangkok Thailand where mm -hmm. I was traveling with one of my sister from a Nigerian mother Ify if you listen love you babe uh and so the two of us being two black women we had crazy looks stairs people following us people taking pictures of us all the time this was crazy and at first because the first time that happened it was not only two of us but it was a group of friends it was for my 21st birthday actually in in hong kong and we thought it was funny but after five or six different families and tourists just coming to us groping us this was like enough we were like yo we are not animals this has to stop this yeah. is crazy this is not a zoo exactly so this became so tiring and then later in that year we went for a sister's weekend in bangkok and same like we were just chilling in Chatu Chat Market for those who know Bangkok just having a drink and some literally some tourists were just like stopping looking at us like talking to each other and starting taking pictures Incredible. like who I would never Leave on earth do that city. I know I would never like stop in front of people that's crazy and take pictures of I them I know what the what? Literally. Incredible. So these were very annoying uh, experiences, but I tried not to let it define my experience in that country. And I had, you know, other cool stuff going on uh, apart from that. Nice. But yeah, that was very odd, I have to say. Oh, fuck did me. you ever had something like that? I did in uh, in India. Uh, so I, I went there with my then boyfriend who was white. Mm -hmm. uh, still is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we were a mixed couple. A lot of the people there thought that I was that I was Indian myself. Right. So it was, I think this othering was double, mm -hmm. so twofold. On the one hand, it was because I was there with a white guy. And on the other hand, it was because I was dressing like very European. Mm -hmm. So for an Indian girl, quite unconventional. And so I think this made it even easier for people to approach me. Also taking pictures like on the beach. I was like chilling my life in a bikini, always like the only woman, like the only Indian looking woman. Yeah. And uh, people were just like coming over, taking pictures for what? their Facebook. And I was like... So this was really not cool. Also in bars, I, I was drinking and smoking uh, at the time. And I was the only drinking, smoking woman. And when I entered a bar, there were like 15 men hanging out at the bar. We went to a room um, behind that. And they were following us, staring at me like... I don't know, like they were in cinema or something. Those kind of experiences, that was pretty uncomfortable mm -hmm. and quite intimidating. And also, yeah, I just felt like a piece of flesh or also like a zoo animal or whatever. But definitely not like I'm just anonymously traveling, yeah. minding my own exactly. shit. Exactly. Not neutral at all. At all. So I think it's the one thing staring at people okay yeah at, at one point i just kept staring back and was like yeah i think you look interesting too mm -hmm. 
where are you from? <laughs> no, no, where are you really, really from? from? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but uh, then it it got just like really intrusive. Yeah, it was just really taking so much energy from mm-hmm. me. And those are just things you always you have to reflect on that. Yeah. Do I have enough energy to go th- there and there now? That was really kind of annoying, but still I really loved India. Mm-hmm. Yes, worth all the trips. Yes. Go there right now. Nice. Also, just for the uh, back to the picture part, I mm-hmm. wonder what do people fucking do with these photos of I think us? They, they post it online, seriously, and act as if they have either that kind of exotic girlfriend, yeah, or that they hooked up with us. Yo, that's I crazy. really think that it, yeah, that must be it. Because no? I've been wondering, like, do you put it, like, do you frame it and put it in your living room? Like, what do you do with <laughs> the photo? I really think of- it's it's for showing off. Yeah, it's like for showing your. Other homogenous dudes, mm. how you got an exotic bird. I really think that must be it. Because why else in the world? We don't, I think we can't that? understand. Like, we cannot understand where the... I would never... Like, imagine approaching a white guy... And be like, can I take a picture with you? And then showing off to your girlfriend of color. about how you once, like, met this white dude. Anyways, in, in any case, I think it's time for our cultural reference section. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, do do you have a woman of color that you find inspiring first, or that you d- that you would like to refer to as a cultural inspiration? I do have a woman that I want to celebrate. Okay. Yes. So she's an activist. She's a black woman who lives in Lisbon and she's called Beatrice Gomes-Dias. She founded an association of people uh, with African descent that's called Jazz. And they basically fight against racism in Portugal, among other things. The thing is, young black people between the ages and of 18 and 25 are only half as likely to go to university as white Portuguese. Just to give you a quick example, yeah? And there's a lot of different prejudices and discrimination around that. And Jazz really fight against all of the different discrimination. They fight against police brutality. And there was actually a a protest organized in Lisbon a few days ago by them against racism in Portugal, not only towards black people, but towards all the non-whites who are actually suffering from this. So I just really want to celebrate her. I think she's not talked about enough. That's a great example from Portugal that, you know, can inspire all of us here, sisters of colors in Europe. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I actually have a woman of color called Katharina Oguntoye, who is an Afro-German, German mother, Nigerian father, who both lived in Nigeria and in West Germany. Mm-hmm. So she actually had the direct experience of both worlds. Right. So she lived amongst black people and then had the comparison what it was like to live in Germany again. She got to meet Audre Lorde in the 1980s. Amazing! Wow. Yes who then had a had a series of lectures there and empowered black students to raise their voices and tell their stories. And so Katharina Oguntoye, she started this Black German Women, for once a book called Showing Our Colors, where black German women of color just talk about their lives amid racism and sexism in Germany. And uh, they founded the Afro-German movement. So for the first time, uh, black women of color, everybody like living in Germany got to together and uh, found a link between each other powerful yes Yes, very powerful and um, it's so interesting what she said about on the one hand how important it is to unlearn racism how to build bridges to white folks who have to understand that racism is something you were raised with Mm -hmm. and you have to get rid of every day if not you will never see me as an individual 
but always just like from this systemic view of the lens of racism. Yeah, what I also found very interesting is as she had this comparison of living in Nigeria and then in Germany and then coming back as a grown woman back to Nigeria, how Europe views black people, not as, as humans, as like those, those distinct humans that she got to know when living there, but more like a mass. Right. And how this changes everything. And when you when you have this connection and when you see people as the individuals as they are, you can start and get rid of that. So interesting. Yeah. Cool, dope. Okay. Yeah. I just want to talk about one movie that we actually saw together. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and that's called Rafiki. So that's basically a story of two women, uh, Kena and Ziki, who fall in love with each other. And it's just oh the best love story. The director is called Yanari Caillou. And uh, she actually creates a lot of really cool content. She has what people call this Afro bubblegum genre, which is like fun, fierce and frivolous. So she's extremely cool. And we had the luck to be at the premiere here in Brussels. And she was there. And basically, this is amazing in terms of representation that you just see in a normal light two cool black women falling in love with each other without no real story around it so if you have the opportunity to go and see it wherever you live please go for it it's amazing and I just want to make something clear by talking about this, um, that to all our lesbian sisters of color, to all our queer, trans, disabled sisters of color, and to all the sisters who feel not represented and not respected enough in society, we see you, we love you, you matter, you're welcome here. This is a safe house for difference, as Audrey Lord would say, and we hope that you enjoy listening to Vogel about it. Oh my God, thank you so much for those kind words. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of Vocal About It. If you enjoyed the conversation, show this sister some love. We'd love to see some five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with your loved ones as well and to all of the others. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for updates with the handle at vocalabout underscore it. And if you have any questions, love declarations, or that you want to partner for some cool shit, do drop us an email on vocalaboutit at gmail.com. Ciao, lovers.